Your energy levels can either allow you to become the best version of yourself or they can be a slow and steady decline with your mental and physical health. The modern lifestyle does not encourage us to have stable energy levels all day long. And if you suffer from low energy, it's going to be very difficult to motivate yourself to be active, to eat healthy, lose weight and get fit. Many of the clients that I work with come to me suffering from low energy levels. In this podcast, I'm going to dive into the lifestyle changes and habits that you can incorporate to make sure that you have stable energy levels all day long. How do you create a life that allows you to lose weight, eat the foods that you love, and sustain the results? Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. I'm Max Lowry. I'm an author, personal trainer, and weight loss coach. In this podcast, I'm going to share my top tips and tricks from within my one-on-one coaching program. It's my goal to give you the tools and understanding so that you never diet again. So what causes low inconsistent energy levels? Number one, this is an order, lack of sleep, okay, lack of sleep. You know, everyone here is probably, you know, potentially looking for some quick fix, a little magic trick that I've got. But, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing with your nutrition, your activity, whatever. If you're not sleeping properly, you are not going to have sustainable, consistent energy levels, right? So sleep is massive. Your diet, what you eat can have a big impact on fluctuating energy levels. Lack of activity can make you feel tired and lethargic. This sounds kind of counterintuitive because, of course, when you're active, you're using energy, you're expending energy. So you would think that you'd be more tired. However, what happens is you're increasing your capacity to move more. So you have more energy to move more. And there are all sorts of hormones that are released like endorphins. Uh, which make you feel energized and can improve your mood. You know, that's what happens when people do hard exercise session or run. Uh, they, they, get, they feel more energized afterwards. It's also a reason to try not to do exercise too close to bedtime because you're going to feel too energized. Of course, your cycles and the menopause will have a big impact on your energy levels. And I'm sure many of you have experienced this. We're going to, I'll talk a bit more about this in a second. Caffeine dependence. All right. If you are drinking three, four, five coffees in a day, you are going to really have a big impact on your energy levels. It's going to be peaks and troughs, and you're not going to be able to feel energized without caffeine. So it's a big one. And then, of course, you've got specific medical issues, diabetes, mental health, depression, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to go into too much detail here. I'm not a doctor. If you follow all the tips I'm about to give you, and you still feel like you've got low energy, then you need to go and see a doctor. There might be something more serious going on beneath the surface that you need to know about. What are the consequences of having low energy levels? So number one, long-term fat loss will be difficult. If you don't have the energy to go and be active, if you don't have the energy to make good quality, nutrient-dense food, then it's going to be much, much harder to get long-term sustainable results. You will not progress in life the way that you want. You're going to be saying no to this social occasion, no to meeting this new person, no to this new experience because you don't have the energy. Oh, I'm too tired. And these little decisions might seem small in isolation, but when combined over one, two, three, four, five years and beyond, it basically just means you're in a very different destination. So as if you were saying yes to all these things and experiencing all these new experiences, because 
your life can improve and progress in lots of different ways if you take opportunities, meet new people, try new things. Right? Essentially, you're just going to stay stuck where you are. You're going to be in a worse situation. It can become a part of your identity. As you know, identity-based habits, being aware of who you think you are and your self-limiting beliefs is incredibly important for long-term sustainable results. So what you don't want to happen is you've had low energy levels for such, such a long time that it becomes a part of who you are. And then you tell yourself, oh, I, I'm someone that don't, I don't have lots of energy. I don't have lots of energy to do this. And this is how it's always been. And then it becomes self-fulfilling. And then it, you know, it's a vicious cycle. And again, will just tie into you not living life to the full and becoming the best version of yourself. It can impact your mental health. You know, if you're having low energy all the time, fluctuating energy levels, it can affect your mood. It can affect all sorts of different things. It can also increase the risk of lifestyle-related disease because if you have no energy to be active, then that is going to potentially lead to weight gain, which of course will increase the risk of lifestyle-related disease. If you are sedentary because you have no energy, then you are more likely to get type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's strokes. It's all pretty well documented. And then of course, if you have low energy, it can affect your relationships as well, whether it's with, with your family, with your friends, partner, people at work. It can affect everything. So really not a good thing at all to be in this state where you don't have consistent energy levels and you feel like you're out of control because stable energy levels will, eat, will mean that you can progress in your life, become the best version of yourself instead of just living day by day and not making the most of your situation. I want to go into a bit more detail about how hormones, particularly female hormones, can play a role with energy levels. So most of you are well, hopefully I've heard of estrogen and progesterone, kind of the two main hormones involved with uh, reproduction, uh, pregnancy, and female cycles. So estrogen, in the first two weeks of your cycle, your estrogen levels increase, okay? And this is associated with higher energy levels. But then in the third week of your cycle, your estrogen levels drop. So that's associated with low energy levels. So it's important to understand that different stages of the month if you are pre-menopausal, you will have fluctuating energy levels. And it's important to understand this about yourself. And you know, when I say two weeks, three weeks, you know, that's going off the base of a, a regular cycle, but you know, many, many people or many, many women don't have regular cycles. So this is something you want to track yourself, ideally. You want to start being aware of you know, what the timescale is when you think you're going to be in this low estrogen phase of your cycle so that you know why you're feeling low energy, okay? Rather than trying to incorporate other things and blaming other things and tweaking and, and changing other things in your life, which may have no effect, you know that estrogen may be having an impact. Estrogen levels drop naturally with the menopause and aging. So this is why going through the menopause can greatly impact energy levels, right? It's important to understand that. You then got progesterone, which stimulates the brain to release a neurotransmitter called gamma aminobutyric acid or GABA, right? So this is actually really important. And I reckon I'm actually deficient in GABA, which means that I'm a very light sleeper. It takes me quite a lot, long time to fall asleep. And I have to really uh, wind myself down sometimes because GABA helps you switch off. So it can make you feel sleepy, right? But it can also improve your sleep. So in week four of your cycle, your progesterone levels fall with levels as with menopause and age, right? So what does that mean? So you would think if progesterone is falling, you're releasing less GABA, which means you should feel less tired during the day, which might be the case. But then it's also going to mean that you're less tired in the evening, which means it may affect your sleep, which is why 
waking up frequently in the night is you know, a common side effect of the menopause. Really quick one for me, guys. I don't run ads on this podcast and I do aim to give you as many high value tips and tricks as I can for free. All I ask in return is that you help me spread the word. That way I can help as many people as I can to never die again. The way to do that is to rate, review and share this podcast. A review will only take 30 seconds, but it would mean the world to me. But more importantly, it could help change the life of someone else. All right, so I just wanted to kind of cap on how hormones are going to play a role. It's important you understand these things about yourself, you know, track your cycles, you know, tracking your cycles with uh, temperature has been a great way to track cycles for a long time, but it's pretty laborious having to take your temperature with a thermometer every night. So just so you guys know, I wear, I wear this aura ring. It's a sleep and recovery tracker. It measures a few different things. One of them being body temperature. They've just released a new one, uh, which has even more accurate temperature sensors. And you're now able to link this aura ring to something like a natural cycle. So you can track your cycles automatically. So you don't have to stick a thermometer in your mouth. All right. Anyway, really interesting stuff getting off the point here, but all the tips I'm about to give you will help what's going on with your hormones as well. Don't just tell yourself, oh, you know, I'm going through menopause, therefore I'm going to be tired and there's nothing I can do about it. All the things I'm about to give you will will help. All right. But it's important to understand that why you might be feeling tired. So principle number one, improve your sleep. Obviously the most important thing you can do, you need to improve your sleep. It's the first place you need to look. The most important thing you can do for improving your sleep is going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time every single day. That is so powerful because then you're synchronizing your body clock. You're telling your body what to do at what time, and then your qu- the quality of your sleep will improve. Whereas if you are going to bed at 12 o'clock one night, waking up at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, mixing and matching it all the time, it's really going to affect the quality of your sleep. And sleep quality is more important than sleep quantity. Even if you're getting the same amount of sleep, the same quantity of sleep, by going to bed at different times, the quality of your sleep will be affected. Uh, don't eat or drink alcohol close to bedtime. Okay, really, really uh, detrimental to sleep. If you're eating right before bed, it's going to prevent you from getting into deep sleep. If you're drinking alcohol right before bed, it's going to prevent you from getting into deep sleep. Incorporate a bedtime routine if you're anything like me, where you find it difficult to wind down, you're a light sleeper, then make sure that you're doing some kind of routine before bed, switching the lights off gradually, stretching, turning your phone off, all that kind of stuff. Never have your phone in your bedroom. I have been really consistent with this to the extent where it's now become part of my identity. Right? I really frown upon the the habit of having your phone in your bedroom. Uh, It's incredibly detrimental to sleep. Even if it's on airplane mode next to your bed, there's been studies to suggest that the fact that your phone is next to you, it affects your brain, affects what's going on. So by never having it in your room, you're never tempted to look at it before bed, which will interrupt your sleep. Equally, you're never then tempted to look at it first thing in the morning. The worst thing you can do to set your day is to turn your phone on and start you know, being stressed by emails or WhatsApp or Instagram or social media. It really is very detrimental. I don't turn my phone on until nine o'clock. And at that stage, I've been awake for almost two hours and I've done an hour and a half run. I've done some stretching. I've had a coffee uh, before I turn my phone on. So really, really powerful. Anyway, don't have your phone in your bedroom. 
limit caffeine after 12 p.m. Caffeine has a half-life of six hours. If you have a coffee at midday, so 100 milligrams of caffeine, six hours later, there's still going to be 50 milligrams of caffeine in your system. So that's 6 p.m. Another six hours later, you've still got 25 milligrams of caffeine in your system at 12 a.m. And that caffeine will prevent you from getting into deep sleep. If the hormonal side effects of menopause are really affecting your sleep at night, then napping might be an effective strategy. So sleep is incredibly important for so many different areas of your life. Principle number two, improve your diet. My nutritional fundamentals don't change um, and they will benefit lots of different areas of your life, including energy levels. So eat nutrient dense meals most of the time. Okay. 80% of the time, you know, nutrient dense meals cooked from scratch, reduce your meal frequency. So rather than grazing throughout the day, eating four, five, six, seven little mini meals, eat two or three larger meals. You have less peaks and troughs with your blood sugar levels. So you eat breakfast, you get that spike, you have energy, then you crash, then you need a little snack to pick you up and you feel good. Then you crash again. Then you have your lunch goes up then it comes back down crashing mid afternoon slump. Then you have a little snack, picks you up for a bit, but then you're down feeling low again before dinner, back up after dinner, feeling low again, little snack before bed and, and so and so. So it's a forever roller coaster. If you reduce that to two or three larger meals, you're going to have a much more stable blood sugar level, which will really impact your energy levels. Stay hydrated. All right. If you're feeling low energy, often dehydration can be an issue. The first thing that I do when I wake up is I drink as much water as I can. I've got a liter and a half container here and I just down as much as I can. And as soon as I've drunk half a liter of water, I immediately feel more awake, more energized. And you can do the same thing throughout the day. Begin to understand how different foods can affect your energy levels. Okay. Uh, keep a food diary. So if you think a specific food is really affecting energy levels, then start to document it. Write down what you're eating and how you feel after you're eating it. And then you can start to recognize, you know, what is the, the culprit for making you feel low energy because different foods will affect different people in different ways. So it's important to understand how a food is going to impact you on an individual. Reduce caffeine consumption. Really, caffeine is incredibly detrimental to sleep. Even if you're only having one in the morning, which is what I do, I, it still impacts my deep sleep later at night. And I can, I measure this quite closely Whenever I go through a phase of trying to reduce caffeine consumption, resensitize myself to it, I'll go for a week with no caffeine, my deep sleep increases. All right. So caffeine really, really is detrimental. Even if you th you're someone that can have a coffee after dinner and fall asleep straight away, you're still going to be impacting your, your deep sleep. And then check for deficiencies. Iron and vitamin D are big ones. So, all right. So everyone should be supplementing with vitamin D if you're in the Northern you know, hemisphere in winter, Northern Europe, particularly. Principle number three, stay active, right? Aim to increase your daily steps by 20% one week at a time. Break those steps into lots of mini walks, right? Because being active is going to actually, like I said earlier, it's going to release endorphins. You're going to have more energy. You're sitting at your desk. If you're sitting at home, feeling lethargic, feeling tired after a meal, go for a brisk walk outside in the fresh air and you're going to come back feeling more energized. Everyone knows this. Right, so start to increase your steps, and rather than doing them all at once in a day, break them into mini steps, mini walks. So you're feeling energized throughout the day. Getting outside first thing in the morning is incredibly beneficial because it's going to 
boost your energy by getting outside, but it's also going to synchronize your body clock. So there's three different ways you can affect your body clock. One is with light from the sun. So getting out first thing in the morning is a good thing. Uh, one is with nutrition. One is with activity. So by moving first thing in the morning outside, you're going to synchronize your body clock, which is going to allow you to feel more energized during the day and more tired in the evening. Start incorporating some structured exercise. You know, even if it's just a, a very slow, short jog, run, walk, you know, heading to the gym, some strength work, whatever it is, you're gonna have you're gonna end up feeling more energized and having more energy. If you would like to go deeper into any of the topics of this podcast and learn the exact same step-by-step system which I use with my coaching clients, then make sure you check out my free definitive guide to fat loss. It will teach you everything you need to know to lose weight, sustain the results, and live life to the full. It's linked below in the notes beneath this podcast.